0: This is Bigger Questions, with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, how can we nurture rich spirituality? And today, to help us nurture rich spirituality, we have Mike Rater. Join us. Mike is Director of the Centre for Biblical Preaching in Melbourne, He was previously Principal of Melbourne School of Theology. Mike spent 11 years working in Pakistan, largely in theological education. He's the author of the 2004 Australian Christian Book of the Year, Stirrings of the Soul, and he joins me now. Please welcome Mike Rater. Thank you, one and all. (laughs) That's right, yeah. This series is on time poor, soul rich. Do you feel time poor? Uh... No, I don't. No, I... Do um you need a bit more work, do you? No, I... Uh
1: I, I think the older you get, you, you learn a few lessons along the way. And I think, and with my wife's encouragement, I think, I'm, I think I'm living a more balanced lifestyle. I'm learning the meaning of day off. Right. It doesn't mean working at home. It means, <laughs> it means, it means a day off. Right. Uh, I'm still learning the secret of how to do a proper vacation. But I think I am learning, and I want to live a, live a bit longer, so just important, the importance of maintaining a healthy work-life balance is really important mm-hmm. yeah. but you do have funny to do though don't you i keep very busy I, I train men and women to to preach and that keeps me busy uh, yeah I, I love doing it so it's, it's it's good having a life where i'm both uh, i'm work rich time rich and find great satisfaction in what i'm doing
0: now to kick off bigger questions we like to ask a couple of smaller questions we do try to have a bit of fun on the show today we're talking with mike rater about stirrings of the soul fostering rich spirituality so i thought we'd have a quick quiz to test you on how much you know about soul music. Now, are you a fan of soul music at all? Uh, right.
1: At nine o'clock last night, knowing I was going to be asked this question, <laughs> I, I suddenly discovered the wonder of soul music. Oh,
0: crap. <laughs> right. Anyway, okay. you haven't thought about forming your own band, perhaps? Yeah, you know, like no. uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, no. perhaps, you know? A... <laughs> anyway, okay. okay. First question Which yes. of these musical artists is not an exponent of soul music? Was it A, Ray Charles? B, Aretha Franklin? C, Otis
1: Redding? Or D, Justin Bieber. That's a tough one. <laughs> uh, 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 in his early <laughs> days, Justin was, of course, a great soul singer. <laughs> but he's morphed more recently into being less soul. So I'll go for Justin Bieber. Okay, I think the correct answer is D.
0: Yes. Can <laughs> give Mike a hand for the yes. That's right. <clears throat> now, some perhaps less charitable would say that soul, Justin Bieber is not an exponent of any, any kind, kind of, of music. music in show, uh, although, in contrast to soul music, perhaps. Justin could be uh, an exponent of superficial
1: music, um, perhaps. But anyway... Ooh, I hope your audience isn't a younger <laughs> no, we, we audience. Love, we
0: love Justin Bieber, <laughs> and, he's, and, and he's a big fan of the show, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> anyway, question two. According to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where did soul music originate from? Was it A, music that evolved from southern African-American secular songs, usually distinguished by a strong 4-4 rhythm, flatted thirds and sevenths, a 12-bar structure, and lyrics in a three-line stanza in which the second line repeats the first? Or... Was it B, out of the black experience in America through the transmutation of gospel and rhythm and blues into a form of funky, secular testifying? Was it C, developed in African-American communities in northeastern United States in the 1940s, built predominantly upon vocal harmony? Or was it D, out of the beach culture of the west coast of the United States where people wore no shoes and played songs barefoot, indeed it was described as if they played with real soul? Okay, well, that's the last one's the, the Beach Boys, and that's not, that's
1: not I'm going to <laughs> so go for B. And the correct answer is B. Great. <laughs> now, do you know, Rob, where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is? Do you know where that is? It's in uh, the United States. Yeah, I know. Yeah. This, it's <laughs> the only, but do you know where in the United I States? I think it's in Cleveland. Very good. Cleveland, Cleveland Ohio. Ohio. Yes,
0: yeah, so I found that out yesterday as well. So did I. I <laughs> <doing> <laughs> So the first answer was actually blues music, the third was doo-wop, and the fourth was a poor attempt at a joke. So, (laughs) congratulations Mike, in our soul quiz, you have got two out of two right, you're 100%, so give Mike a big hand, yes. Now, legendary gospel singer Mahalia Jackson said that soul music was called that because people just stood there and sang from their guts. Whatever they felt, they just let it come out. So, why is soul music associated with such depth of human experience?
1: I think because, well, you think of the background as the, the question asked about people's background, the slaves in America in the 19th century, and they expressed their desperation and their hope in song, maybe the great the great Negro spirituals, which both longed for you know, physical liberation from slavery, but also something more than that. They, they longed for a spiritual liberation. They longed for you know, God you know, to come to come and rescue them in, in a holistic sense, and that gave birth to soul music, which is saying, I think, that, that life is both... Uh, tangible and rational and real and physical, but more than that, the longing of the person is something which is more than just here and now. It's, it's transcendental, it's eternal, that kind of hope. So you, when you sing, you sing from the depths of your being. To say she sang from the depths of her larynx or the depths of her vocal cords, while, while strictly true, doesn't quite capture it, Mm, mm. because there's something more to our humanity and to that kind of singing which transcends the larynx, the vocal cords, the chest. Mm.
0: So it's been said that a person's soul is a person's essence, that part of our being which can soar to heaven. So why don't you you think we call it larynx music or (laughs) DNA music rather than
1: soul music? I think that's right, because larynx and DNA music is probably strictly correct, but it's it's reductionistic. It It doesn't capture the... There's more to music as there's more to humanity than just, once you break down my DNA, once you break down how much of my greater is fat and water and iron, whatever whatever I am, and, and how high, how tall I am, how wide I am, there's still a dimension of me and you which you haven't captured, mm. which just those physical things don't reach. So there's, there's, so there's a d- dimension to our humanity which we all recognise, which we call for want of another word, our spiritual or our, our soul.
0: So you mentioned just now
1: the spiritual and soul, but...
0: What exactly do you mean? What is
1: spirituality and what is the, the soul? I think, I think we use the term spiritual in three senses. I think we are spirits. That is, uh, in the Bible, when God made men and women, made from dust, he breathed into them life, the spirit of life. So the spirit animates all living beings and gives, gives them life. And so in that sense, we are all spiritual. We are living beings. But the spirit, too, also seems to reflect this part of our personhood which has an awareness of the transcendent an awareness of the eternal, an awareness that, as I just said, that we are more than just the components of our physical being. There's something of us which transcends that. Then thirdly, there is of course the Spirit, which is the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God, who comes into people, um, amongst people, and draws them to God. So there are three ways you can speak of the spirit. So in our topic today, spirituality, we're thinking mainly of the second one, this part of our humanity which kind of goes beyond ourselves to the, to the other, to the transcendent. Mm. So is music spiritual? Well, it's both and. Again, I can define music in purely physical terms. It's the, the vocal cords and instrumentation. I, I can do all that, mm. and that's strictly true. But music taps something in our being which is more than just physical. That's maybe not just a Bieber so much, but uh, the other ones you mentioned, music can make us cry, music can make us laugh, music can make us hope. Music can make someone who is in a catatonic state return to a semblance of rationality. Music can do incredible things. But it taps into a part of our being which is beyond just the physical, which I think is why we, we love music so much, because it just takes us somewhere else.
0: Just a question just come in just on that. Mm. If I'm not aware of this transcendent nature, does that mean I don't have a soul?
1: Some people are more in touch with their emotions. Uh, he's a very emotional person, or she's not very emotional. Now, does that mean that they haven't got emotions? Yet? <laughs> of course they do. There's some people are more aware of their their emotions than others. Similarly, uh, some people are more aware of the transcendent than others are. Mm.
0: Now, in your book Stirrings of the Soul, you shared how you experienced and observed many different types mm. of spirituality. So what did you experience?
1: Well, I was asked to write this paper, or give, a, give a lecture on spirituality, so I thought I'd just, I'd just read as widely as I could. So I read all different kinds. I read, of course, different kinds of Christian, mystical, Catholic. I read feminist. I read Aboriginal. I read Islamic. I read environmental. I Just a whole range of different spiritualities. You know, New Age, mm-hmm. a whole stack of them. And, of course, they all are in their details quite Diverse, but what was what really struck me in their core desires, they were remarkably harmonious. They were there was a longing for, for two things, it seemed to me. There, there's an awareness in every human being of what I call the transcendent, there's something out there, the, the other be it God or whatever it might be that we long to connect with, uh, and, and we believe that by connecting with this other. We'll find that thing we long for, which is peace and contentment. We, we want to be happy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That, that, I think, crosses all cultures. We want to be happy. And I think we think, many people think, that the road to happiness, because you, you, you don't find it here. In, you know, often people work in their job are unhappy. They're unhappy in their marriage, their family. But if I can find happiness, and I, maybe I can find it through being connected to this, this other. I can find contentment. That then will connect me with other people and it'll be profoundly experiential. So whether it's feminist, whether it's environmental, new age, Christian, it's a longing for connection, for relationship with this transcendent being and therefore with each other and a connection which is for me profoundly life-changing, experiential, which will give my life what I long for, which is contentment, peace and well-being. So is there... Uh, this spiritual thirst in the world, from your observation? Well, uh, the, clearly, it's every, everywhere you go, you find expressions of that. Uh, Paul walked, the Apostle Paul walked in Athens and was overwhelmed by the number of idols, just a smorgasbord of idols, of these, these, these attempts to reach out to the gods in all the different varieties. And wherever you go in the world, you're going to find, in, whether it's folk religion or traditional faith, people reaching out, you walk around Melbourne. Uh, You you see it, the the mind body spirit Festival. The other thing, I just was struck the other day, uh, last month, by the the Anzac Day. Mm -hmm. I just found the way we talk now about Anzac Day quite fascinating. It's become, just the language we use, it's not just a day of remembrance, it's become a day of religious celebration. People now make a pilgrimage to Anzac Cove. They discover their identity, what it means to be Australian. They discover their values. We We have a shrine, a temple in Canberra. You know, we do. We call it now our creation myth. Our country was born on the beaches of Anzac Cove. It seems to me, Rob, as in our culture here in Australia, as we move away from our traditional faiths, like the Christian faith, we now have a vacuum. We must fill that vacuum. We have to fill it with something. And now for more and more people, that something is something like Anzac Day. For others, it's sport. We go to our cathedral here in Melbourne, the cathedral, the, the MCG. We worship our heroes. We give them lifetime allegiance. And for some, that becomes their new religion. So there's this longing, this yearning in all people for something which is greater than them, which they can connect to, give their life meaning and well-being. And if you take away the traditional faith, you replace it with some other things. Mm. So what do you think there are the shortcomings, then, of these modern spiritual expressions? Mm. Well, clearly, they work <laughs> to some degree. Uh, we can't... Uh, Ignore that. I, I've been to the Mind Body Spirit Festival, and all the stalls there we're offering you know, TM, you know, Transcendental Meditation, Reiki, Yoga. Get in touch with your North American Indian ancestors, whatever it might be. <laughs> the, the array is, is bewildering, and I find some of it, frankly, unbelievably silly, personally. Right. But for some people, it works. I, I, I talk to people. I hear people who've, who, who've done Transcendental Meditation, and it's changed their life. Tom Cruise. Would say Scientology changed my life. I can't gainsay that. So, Mm. for some. It gives them, on a temporary basis, the well-being they long for. My my problem is our longing, though, is for more than just well-being here and now. Our longing, I think, deep down, is for the eternal. Mm. I think God has put eternity in our hearts, Ecclesiastes, an awareness that there's a life beyond the grave. I think almost every person, every culture, recognises that the longing for that, and Reiki, yoga, TM, won't take you there. It might help you to make it through the night. It won't help you make it through the great night, which is the eternal night. and so It fails there. Of course, the other question has to be asked. While these things might help you, are they true? Do they accord with reality? Or are they some form of escape? Mm. That's a question you have to answer yourself.
0: Yeah. Now, as part of Bigger Questions, we reflect on the Bible, because surprisingly to many, the Bible offers wisdom to help us live well. We're going to explore a passage today which speaks about being truly soul rich. But before we do that, we're interested to hear about why you believe the scriptures are worth
1: following. So, Mike, what convinced you to become a Christian believer? Good question. I think I read a while ago of a French philosopher called Emile Callier, might be how you say his name, who wanted to find a book that would explain him. So, he read all the great texts of history, all the great works, and just made, just drew quotes from each one, great sayings, and put them all together in a book, and read the book, but the book did not satisfy him. He was married to an Irish Catholic who gave him a Bible in French, and he read the Bible, and he said, in that Bible I found the book that explained me. And that's, that's my testimony. Um, it explains why I am the way I am. The one doctrine in the Christian faith, I have firm belief in, which is unshaken, is the doctrine of human sin. I just I see it all around me. I see it in my I see it in me. That the Bible explains me why I have my aspiration, why I can do great good, why I can do great evil. It tells me why I'm capable of horrendous evil. It explains me, it explains my world. Why the world is made up of great beauty, yet why we desecrate the world. It explains my yearning for God, my yearning for eternity. It just explains me. The world I live in, the way no other book I've ever read explains it. So I just found, I've just found the book in that way self-authenticating. So in that way,
0: could you say reading the Bible for you has been a spiritual experience?
1: Of course it has, yes. It is. Yes, it is, because it, 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 it explains me and, and takes me to the, the transcendent world around me, which I know, I know is there. Now, and also, of course, I'd have to say, as I read the Bible, uh, written ultimately by God, God's Spirit, as I, as I ask for understanding, helps me to understand the Bible.
0: Now, some might say that the Bible hasn't much to say about spirituality. It's often seen as boring and traditional and not particularly dynamic, mystical or experiential. So does the Bible actually say anything about spirituality? Well,
1: the word is not found in the Bible. You won't find the word spirituality there. But you will find the word spiritual. And uh, if a key component of spirituality is our quest, our desire for connecting to the the other, Hmm. to use the terms people use, the transcendent, that's the message of the Bible. The other, the transcendent, becomes imminent. The one who's distant becomes near. The one who's far off comes to us in the Lord Jesus mm. and, and brings us to him. And I would argue in, in our heart of hearts, the deepest longing of every man and woman is to know, to know God, the one who made them in his image. That's our, that's, I think we, often rep- we, we, we repress that. But that's our deepest longing. And that's the story of the Bible. And it's not boring. I train preachers. The problem, Rob, is boring preachers. That's why, that's why I do my job. But the Bible, it's not the Bible.
0: The part of the Bible we're looking at today is from the Gospel of John, one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have. An incident is recorded in John chapter 6, where Jesus feeds 5,000 people from a boy's lunch of five loaves and two fish. Now, this is a remarkable incident,
1: Mike. So what happens here? Yes, yeah, it's, it's the only miracle... That's recorded in all four Gospels, which is interesting, isn't it? I think they're all saying this one is very important. It shows us, of course, who Jesus is. It's a story of uh, Jesus been preaching and teaching all day. Great crowd have followed him. It's the end of the day that they're tired, they're hungry. They all sit down, and he says to his followers, the disciples, feed them. Well, we're told there's 5,000 men, plus women and kids. There's 10,000 people there. They said, feed 10,000 people. With what? That costs a, a year's wage. And, and you know, the subway is miles away. Are we, how are we, we going to do that? Well, I've got a subway right here, says Jesus. So there's a, a boy there, the famous story of the boy with five loaves and two fish. He takes these five loaves and two fish and he does what only God can do. That's, I think, one of the Gospel writer's key points. He does what only God can do. God comes amongst us and does what God does. And he makes out of nothing, really. Mm. He just makes, just multiplies fish. And bread and feeds them all. And at the end, John says, And when they were satisfied, when they'd had enough and they were, they were content, they took up all the fragments. When they said to the disciples, Oh, I couldn't have another crumb, I'm stuffed, they took up all the fragments and we're told there they filled 12 baskets. Mm.
0: So it says in verse 13, So they gathered them mm. and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten.
1: Now, that just passes over most people, because if you know your Bibles, 12 is a very important number, right? All the tribes of Israel were 12 tribes. The apostles, 12 apostles. In yeah. Revelation, all God's people were gathered around symbolically 12 times 12,000, 144,000. 12, well, it's true. 12 is a symbol. It means all, the lot, the whole. So what's what's John saying? He's saying... Jesus feeds this vast crowd of hungry people, they're very content, they're very satisfied, and there is enough left over to feed the lot. You see, Jesus has come and will feed, he can feed every person, in this case physically, and they're deeply satisfied. That's, 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 that's. Well, and then in verse 14 it goes on, and the people saw
0: the sign Ooh. Jesus performed and they began to say, surely this is the prophet yes. who is to come into the world. What, what, right. is, what, is he, what does he mean there?
1: Well, the, the, one who, the one who's coming to save their people, to bring God to their people. They recognize in this only, only, only the one sent by God can do what this man has done. Mm.
0: And then Jesus, a bit further on in uh, mm. a couple of places, but in John six forty-eight, says, I am the bread of life. Now, I've heard of soul food, but what does Jesus
1: mean when he says that he is bread? See, Jesus does this again and again. His miracles aren't just great, powerful acts to wow people. They're, They're sermons, they're talks in action. So, for example, he heals a man who's blind, and then he says, I am the light of the world. There's a man who's dead for four days. He raises him up, and then he says, I am the resurrection the life. He feeds people who are physically hungry... And he says, but you have a deeper need, which is spiritual, not physical. And I am the bread of life. All you long for, and what we've talked about so far, Rob, in this session, all you've longed for in contentment, in well-being, in peace, in knowing God, all these things you long for, you'll find ultimately and finally in me, I am the bread of life of life. As those people ate the bread I gave them and were satisfied, if you, here's the metaphor, eat me, that is if you believe in me, come to me, you'll find in me all the satisfaction you need. Your spirit desires will be met. Mm. That's, that's his frankly audacious claim. And I, I'd never say that. <laughs> it's an audacious claim that all your desires in life are met in me. Mm. So I mean, how, do, how does he then demonstrate this claim? Well, he, uh, well, he, well, in one sense he's done it, he, by, by doing it with, with the bread and fish, I mean, you couldn't do that. And no one here could do that. And these people listen, listening. You couldn't do that. It would be just be an audacious claim. Mm. The very fact that he does this makes you think, oh, hang on. If he can do that with bread and fish, maybe he can do it spiritually. He's proved he can do it physically. I, I guess he can do it. But you he, go to say, and the bread you will eat is my body given for you. He'll do it actually by his dying on the cross. Mm. By dying on the cross... So I can be forgiven. I can come back to God, know my Heavenly Father, and find in Him all I long for. Eternity, eternal life. I can find peace, forgiveness. I can find connection. I connect to God. I connect to you, Rob. Suddenly you're my friend. You're my brother. I connect to people. All my cries of loneliness are now met. Does that
0: come through here in the passage as well, where he says that whoever eats this bread will live forever? In verse 52, that this bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Exactly. But he's also talking about that... Uh, he's
1: contrasting temporary bread That's versus right.
0: eternal bread. Is right. that, that touching what you were saying? That's right. About the...
1: And he does this again and again. He, he takes the physical, the temporal, and makes that a catalyst to talk about the spiritual and the eternal, with blindness, with resurrection, and with bread.
0: Now the only mention of spirit in this chapter mm. is found in the concluding verses in verses 62 to 63, where Jesus says, Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing, The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and Hmm. life. So what's the relationship of the Spirit of God here to Jesus?
1: I guess the key component of the Christian view of God, which is hard to wrap a mind around, is that God is triune. He's trinity. In the one person of God is a a loving Father, a heavenly Father, is the Son who came amongst us, and the Spirit. And God, in order to connect with us and give us connection and well-being... And relationship comes to us by the Spirit. He comes to us in Jesus, his Son, then, he, then they send the Spirit to come and live with us. And so, and the Spirit gives life to our, our spiritual bodies and, and brings us in touch with God. So in the Bible, a truly spiritual man or woman is a person indwelt with by the Spirit of God. The Bible doesn't think of people in that sense as being innately spiritual. We, are, we have the Spirit of life which gives us breath, But in terms of eternal life, in the Bible at least, uh, to have that kind of life is only available in and through the Holy Spirit, who God freely gives to people.
0: Well, how does Christian spirituality then differ from other forms of
1: spirituality? At the heart of it is a connection, a relationship with Jesus. See, if God is triune and God's Spirit comes amongst you, who will you love? Who will you speak about? Who will you pray to? Who will you worship? Well, the answer will be Jesus, because the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Jesus. So I know I'm with a Spirit-filled person when they speak of Jesus, because that's what the Spirit of God will do, because God is triune. So what's distinct about, about Christian spirituality? It really is this. What's distinct about the Christian faith? Is <laughs> the same answer, and that is the Lord Jesus. That's how that's how we know God. That's how we find well-being, which is just, just what He promised in this miracle. Hmm. I'm the bread of life. Uh, C.S. Lewis famously said, "We fool around with drink, sex, and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. We are like ignorant children making mud pies in the slum when they're offered a day by the sea." And I look at, I, I walk around the Mind, Body, Spirit Festival, and I see there, you know, people longing for contentment and well-being, eternity, but looking in frankly all the wrong places you won't find them with your north american spiritual ancestors or in or or in your crystals or in or or in the stars you find them in the one who said i am the bread of life all you long for and that's that's because that's the distinctive dimension to to christian which i think is true spirituality
0: so if jesus then has true spirituality why is church often so
1: boring well that's a very good question uh or seem seemingly disconnected well, from our regular you're, life. You're, look, you're right, and I think we need to do some hard thinking and soul-searching. <laughs> you're right. No, I, I think it's, it's the one place in the world, really, where people should find deep, intimate connections with God and each other and a profound experience of God is the gathering of God's people. It should be that. But sadly, you're quite right. People go there, go to church, and the church is more like a club than an intimate family. The, ser- the services are uh, experientially dry. The singing doesn't move my soul like Aretha Franklin does. <laughs> the sermons put me to sleep. You know, it's, 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 it's frankly, Rob, it's a bit of an indictment, I think, on, on our local churches that w- the very thing we proclaim to offer, we sell people short. I'll be honest with you. And I, I, I think we should ask ourselves as a church, what, what can we do to really be the spirit-filled people of God, to show the world true spirituality. So when, you, when you come into church, as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians, people say, oh, wow, God is in this place. God's here. I can, I can sense God's presence in the, in, the, in the caliber of their relationships, their love for each other, and in the adoration of God. And I think that when that happens, and sadly, Rob, it's a bit too rare. When that happens, I think it's a wonderful, life-changing experience.
0: So, Mike, stirrings of the soul. How can we nurture
1: rich spirituality? The answer would be, I think, if if a man came amongst us who made the audacious claim that I am the bread of life, anyone who hungers or thirsts come to me, then the answer would be, go to Jesus. You'll find it in him. Hear him speak, uh, uh, sit at his feet and learn from him about true spirituality. Get to know him, communicate with him and through him his people. So he's, he's made that promise, he's true to his word. That's the place to go. Not to, a, not to a misty mountaintop, not to a Buddhist temple in Tibet, but to the one who said, I'm the bread of life. Go to him.
0: Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question, how can we nurture rich spirituality? From John 6, 63. The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. I look forward to you joining us next time for bigger questions. Please thank our guest today, Mike Rater. Well, thanks for listening to Bigger Questions. I love bringing you bigger questions each week here through this podcast. And if you're ever in the city of Melbourne, we uh, do the live recordings every second Wednesday. We have some great conversations lined up for the second half of this year. So it would be great if you could come along and be part of the live audience and ask your questions and explore the big questions at those shows. So check the website biggerquestions.org for more information. And also to help us to cover the costs of this podcast, we have set up a, a Patreon page. Which uh, people can support the show, even for as little as one dollar US one dollar a podcast. Um, we've had a number of new patrons come on board in the last couple of months, and I just want to say a bit of a shout out and say thanks to them very much, particularly to Alan, Rebecca, Travis, James, and Mark. Uh, it's been fantastic to see your support, so thank you much, very much for your support of this podcast and this show. Uh, If you'd like to support the show, then just head over to uh, patreon.com slash biggerquestions and you can support the show by as little as a US $1 a podcast. It's in US dollars, that's how it's set up, but you can set how much you'd like to give to help us uh, keep giving you uh, bigger questions. So thanks for listening and look forward to bringing you another bigger question next time. So thanks a lot.